Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In the cocktails episode, Dwight says, uh, Michael goes, how's my breath? And Pam is like, oh, I don't want to smell your breath. Oh and Dwight God. goes, I will smell it. And he breathes so, so deeply. Deep. Closes his eyes. <laughs> he squats down. Yeah. Good, not great. It's, it's so good. You're dressed just like the servants. <laughs> I feel like the way that one was shot, they had to do a lot of takes of that breath oh, sniffing scene. Only, yeah. yeah. Out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Or Dundamip, then the people purses paper people. Dundamip, then the people purses paper people. Dundamip, then the people purses paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a podcast about The Office made by fans of The Office. I'm your host, regional manager Edwin Janes, and with me is our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Michael, you shouldn't have to settle. This is my pledge to you. I will find her, and I will bring her to you. And as God is my witness, she shall bear your fruit. You may notice Sean's not here today. But I still had to get that drop in mm-hmm. uh, because what are we talking about? Why is that drop appropriate? So today we are going to talk about Michael Scott and his love life. Michael and love, uh, Michael and women. Um, because as we were you know, talking about Michael Scott, his character and his presence is too big on the show to really sum up with one episode the way we have a character like Daryl per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but so with Michael, we're going to do these little carve-offs where we can talk about different aspects of his life, his impact on the show. And I think a big one uh, is his different romantic relationships that occur over the course of the show. Uh, so like Alex said, no Sean uh, with us tonight, but we'll be kind of going through in sort of chronological order kind of the different uh, eras of the show as defined by Michael's uh, relationships. Uh, this is a bit of a throwback for us. Really is. It uh, really is. For a couple of years there, Alex and I hosted a Blazers podcast called The Rip Citizens. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, all about the Blazers, just fun stuff, talking about the team, um, and it's really fitting that we're back on mic again. <laughs> just us. In the middle of the playoffs. With a, with a game starting in about an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk a little basketball here, so if that's not your thing, you can skip forward a couple minutes. Um, but it is. It, this is this is very fitting. It's it's been a while. We used to do it in a studio. Mm-hmm. We've downgraded considerably. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're now in my kitchen, kitchen table. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. Pull back the curtain. This is, this is what everybody this is what everybody wants to see. Right. Yeah. And, and we are gonna we are gonna I think probably end up doing another part of this episode later with Sean once mm-hmm. he can be with us. Um, right. But now that we don't have Sean. We can talk a little bit about basketball. Yeah, the sun is shining. We're talking Blazers in the second round. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We were. You just mentioned, by the way, uh, before we started recording, how much we would have liked to have seen Jokic versus Nurkic. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's it's really heartbreaking. Like every game that goes by, watching. Yep. Jokic dominate us. Just and being like, feast I, in the post. God, can we just get a giant <laughs> Eastern European to defend him? It's weird watching him be so big and so like, just kind of shovel, like Zach Collins, Myers Leonard, 
Enos Cantor, they can't hold him in the post, yet he's so graceful with his shots that don't touch the rim. They're one-footed floaters that he's hitting. He's, by the way, I said, if only we had a large Eastern European to guard him, and we do. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll not forget Turkey is a part of that. That's, uh, yeah. Enos Cantor is, but... Uh, uh, but Nurkic especially it would just is is such a good salve to the problems that uh, to the wounds they that Jokic is causing. Can you imagine how many times I struggle to say Nurkic versus Jokic? Can you yeah. imagine if you know Charles Barkley, you know uh, <laughs> Kevin McHale, <laughs> Mike Breed, yeah. all these guys, these announcers had to keep saying Jokic versus Nurkic down low. Yeah, it would be amazing. Yes. But you're right, man. Jokic's shot is has this perfect beautiful rainbow arc on it mm-hmm. like and he has he, he hit a lot of awkward game winners uh yeah. in the regular season this year and he does like he sometimes his shot just looks ugly and awkward uh much like the man himself yet he just <laughs> delivers he's so he's he so incredibly talented at basketball yeah. he's so fun to watch and i hate that we he's have to like play him. he's kind of like bill walton in a way which is crazy really is. which is crazy to say you never we we you think that bill walton is a guy you really not got to never see healthy outside of that one mm-hmm. year in 77 and then you saw flashes that 86 uh, title run with the celtics but uh he's playing like that but just his passing and the way he doesn't i don't think he has the same athleticism as bill walton but the but overall the size but of, the size say, and the skill another blazer's great yeah, big sabonis yeah. like that's the like, other guy that they, my they favorite blazer combined with yeah, a sabonis, historic blazer yeah. that's who we have to play like yeah. gosh and that if, if we were doing the rip citizens podcast what our response would have been to that quadruple overtime game that would have been unreal oh gosh yeah I, I think about that often and go, man, we were only still doing this show or we, I know, only had to do, I know. we only had to do two a year, how much we'd have to talk about. After that, uh, after that quadruple overtime game, I saw the perfect response. It was a tweet. It said, uh, I think it was Worldwide Wob, Rob mm, Perez mm-hmm. on Twitter. He said, uh, the year is 2069. Everyone else has fouled out. It's Isaiah Thomas and Evan Turner <laughs> playing one-on-one. <laughs> At halftime, there's a moment of silence to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Nikola Jokic's passing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good that's so good man i was i was thinking about like man, like think about the writers on the east coast who had to stay up yeah finish watching that game would have been 2 a.m probably mm-hmm. and then they had to write something i mean that game was that was 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 truly incredible uh, a, a feat not only of the players but the fans to stay up and watch it as yeah well. you were I was there you were there i was there what was the, what was it like in there it was excruciating. <laughs> I personally felt like we were going to lose most of the time because they kept making these really big plays. Jamal Murray hit two step backs in a row. Paul Millsap was unstoppable. But the Blazers just got things to break right. And when Rodney Hood came in, changed the game, hit that big three, you know, uh, it, it was just because uh, Damon CJ, all these guys were wearing down. It was crazy yeah. to see. And then uh, Rodney Hood comes in, saves the day with that big three. Big lefty. Yeah. Uh, I was watching over at the hen house uh, mm-hmm. uh, with our friends. Shout out to all my hens. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I, I too, I think I was convinced. It was like, we're going to lose. Like, there was there were several points we were down by three or more points with under 30 seconds. And right. just like, this isn't, this can't keep happening. And it kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. Uh, at one point, uh, our friend Zach was, had he, had, he had moved from sitting up in the, <laughs> like, right next to the TV mm-hmm. to eventually way up the stairs behind the banister peeking through <laughs> the slats in, in the railing like a like a kid who's up too late uh, what you, you do what you have to do yeah yeah you we just you get so beat down by a game like that but man 
just incredible to watch. So yeah. happy the Blazers came what out an on top. amazing postseason has been for the Blazers. I know. I, I, I am, as a Blazer fan, I'm in uncharted territory. I don't know how to feel. The Blazers are playing well. It, the last couple times that they've been in the second round, it's been just a blowout against the Warriors mm-hmm. uh, in 2015 and against the Spurs in 2014. Which is, but that, uh, Spurs, was that after they beat the Clip? No. Well, the series we beat the Clippers, so, was that two years ago? Uh, that Three was 2015, ago. I think. Yeah. Uh, either 2015 or 2016, geez. Yeah. But uh, swept by the Spurs right after. Yeah. So they beat the well, they beat the Rockets. Gentlemen sweeps. Sorry. So the Blazers beat the Rockets on Damian Lillard's shot, and then they go on to face the Spurs. They lose in five. Right. And then, uh, and then the next year, Lamarcus Aldridge leaves. The Blazers manage to make the playoffs. In the in the playoffs, Chris Paul gets hurt. Blake Griffin gets hurt. Right. Blazers move forward, and then they lose to the Warriors. You know. That was when they lost to the Warriors. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, but. Another thing I want to mention uh, for Blazer fans, I hope you are, uh, <laughs> there's a great piece on TheRinger.com by Ian Carmel, who was a guest on our show mm-hmm. uh, on uh, back, in the, back in the day now. Uh, but now he's, you know, we post a podcast, we love all fantasy, everything, uh, head writer for The Late Late Show, but it's called What Damian Lillard's Shot Means for Portland, or mm-hmm. What These Playoffs Means for Portland. And he does a really good job of encapsulating kind of what it's like to be a Blazer fan, you know. Um, it was really, really well really written. Great. Yeah, I, I really liked how I, I really liked how he ended it when talking about like you know a parade in the rain, which is sort of what it's like yeah. to be a Blazer fan. It's, mm-hmm. It was great, and 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 we realized the Office is not a, Bla- a Portland themed show here. Uh, and if you're don't care about basketball or you're not a Blazer fan, we're so sorry we did this. Yeah, but but thank you so much for listening. Please yeah. don't let this turn you off. We won't do this again mm-hmm. unless the Blazers win the championship. We yeah. might do it. Well, again. you know, <laughs> give the people what they want. Hey, hey, yeah, that's true. Um, shall we move on? Yes. All righty. That felt good, by the way. That, that was, was great. like a that nice, was, yeah, nice stretch in the morning. The that time Ooh. machine. It was Avengers Endgame going back. Um, I haven't seen that yet, by the way. Uh, there's a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> I figured figured uh i did get all caught up on game of thrones though okay uh, so that's I'm, good i'm i'm uh not, there won't be any spoilers but mm-hmm. just wanted you to know that Ed. yeah we are so off the rails here <laughs> let's get back but, let's but, get right, back let's to back to inform well uh, let's go uh game of thrones is on tv as was the office the office mm-hmm. uh so kick, kick us off we're, we're talking about michael's love life which is a, a massive part of the show when you look at how many plot lines are spun off of Michael's uh, angst in general, a lot of which comes down to romance. Michael's uh, insecurity and neediness and need to be loved and admired and uh, liked, you know, uh, all those things really manifest in his romantic relationships where it's funny to see him so desperate sometimes, Mm -hmm. but at the same time so shallow when it comes to... uh, you know, finding someone. Uh, but the relationship that really kicks this off uh, is Michael and Jan. Right? Yes. Yep. So Jan Levinson introduced, uh, played by Melora Hardin, uh, Jan Levinson Gould for a time. Jan Levinson Gould, I presume? <laughs> no, Michael, uh, no, no more. Oh, no Gould. Yeah. Cool. Gould is gone. The yeah. way he looks at her, like, what happened? Like, yeah. He's so earnest. And he, she has to tell him, we got divorced. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jan makes her entrance in the pilot. Right. Where she is Michael's boss. She is kind of the person who is uh, constantly sort of carrying the threat of downsizing to Michael. Right. So that power dynamic is established pretty early on. It's very much a tie back to the BBC office where I want to say her name is Rebecca. (sighs) Yeah, (laughs) the the boss for uh, David Brent. But anyway, it it begins to change uh, in season two um, and the client. So that's episode seven of season two. 
Um, basically, it uh, you know Michael and Jan go to pitch the county, which is is Tim Meadows' character. Chili's meeting at Chili's. That's right. They order an awesome blossom, mm-hmm. extra awesome. Thank you, Megan. And then, uh, <laughs> and then um, we mentioned that moment earlier, but uh-huh. or I, I mentioned this I think earlier. Like anytime Michael clicks with a stranger is are just always beautiful moments. Yes. It only happens a few times on the mm-hmm. shows, but but that's one of them. The you mean with Megan, the wa- the waitress? <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's funny because Jan wants to get right down to business, right? And Michael is very much like, no, come on, Jan, we'll do this later. And so Michael is telling jokes. He gets he calls Pam. He tells that joke about I'm a proctologist and I drive a brown probe. Right? right. He loves it. I almost had awesome blossom coming out of my nose. Right. <laughs> and then later on, it cuts to I think Michael's got his sleeves rolled up and he says, you know. Uh, you know, I'm from here. I'm, I'm born and raised here. This, these these uh, big box companies are going to come in. They're going to kick us out and they're going to jack up the prices. Right. Right. And Tim Meadows turns to Michael and says, uh, you know, we got to make cuts. Right. They're expecting me to make cuts, but I'll make if you meet me halfway. And the way that Jan looks at Michael is like she's seeing him for the first time. Yeah. And it's a really nice moment in the show. Uh, where Michael is like actually very much succeeding in his job, right, as a salesman, and that's kind of the beginning of Michael and Jan, because of course after that they like kiss in the parking lot, and then they go to a motel where uh, they don't hook up. It is making out and crying <laughs> all, all night long. That's right. right. That's right. Um, and then of course it's kind of we move forward. Uh, Jan comes back again in performance review. Uh, performance review, and then boys and girls where Kelly gets that burn where she's talking about sports metaphors, and she's like, so what does it mean when talking about baseball? Like, if they say that Michael got to second base with you? That, yeah, and that, and then she, like, <laughs> winks at the camera. She turns and winks at the camera, and which I think is such a great moment. It is, but it's it's kind of a Kelly we never re- quite see again. Yeah, like, agreed. Yeah. Very wry, yeah. And very, like, present and knowing everything that's going mm-hmm. on, yeah. Later in the Women's Appreciation episode, Michael wishes that he could get Kelly a brain. <laughs> that's right. Um, wow. So as we move into the Casino Night episode at the end of Season 2... Uh, we see Michael invite Jan to the casino night, and he and at the same time accidentally invites Carol. He's got two dates. Michael's he's got a pair of queens, right? <laughs> he says, and "I'm gonna drop a." Wait, no, that's a different part. When he says, "I'm gonna drop a deuce on him," oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, "I don't even know if this is the same thing." But he's like, "Jim is my ace." <laughs> Toby, oh, yeah. Pam is a solid seven. <laughs> Toby's the card that comes with the with that you throw away. <laughs> Instructional card. No, he says Oscar's my queen. Oscar's my queen. Oh God. But, but anyway, I think it's important right here. We pause and we move to Michael and Carol because that's like actually Michael's first real romantic relationship yeah. that we get in the show. It's the most normal adult relationship, right? So far, set up by she's his realtor. He invites her to this charity event that he's hosting, which is like a very like funny, organic thing for her to do. And then mm-hmm. they end up dating going into season three. And Jan is still around, you know, as Michael's boss, but Carol is Michael's girlfriend. And that continues. Uh, I guess we should point out that Michael does impress Jan again during the convention where he gets the hammer milk, hammer right. milk products. He gets that big sale, um, even though he's struggling to keep pace with John the, or with John, with Josh the whole time. I love that scene where he pulls out his phone. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting an email, too. And Dwight says, you love have email yeah. on your phone. And he's like, okay, I'm getting, I got to take this call. He's like, no one was calling you. <laughs> like, Dwight, help him out. Come on, man. Help him out. But anyway, uh, I think moving forward, the Michael Carroll relationship doesn't have a ton of beats. But in Diwali, we get the sort of big Michael Carroll 
episode where he invites Carol to Diwali. It's, he describes it as an Indian Halloween party, right? Right. So she comes in the cheerleader as costume. As a cheerleader. You know? And then um, Michael... <laughs> He's just wearing the head... On yeah, his shoulder from Halloween. He's got the, the paper mache head. That he could just take off and just be in a suit. And meanwhile, Carol's still in a yeah. chilling outfit. And they, you know, he he ends up having such a good time at Diwali, even though he the samosas are bad. He wonders if they have s'mores. Right. Um, but he gets up and proposes to Carol. Right. Uh, there's. There's, actually, by the way, I recently rewatched that episode. Mm-hmm. Carol actually ends up having a pretty good time up yeah. until what Michael does here. Right. They seem to be having a good time. There's a moment where I think it's Kelly's parents say, how long have you been dating the cheerleader? She, she seems very fair. And he, goes, and he yes. just throws her under the bus. He's like, she thought it was a costume party. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just, he just immediately <laughs> takes himself out of it. He loves to do that. Yeah. And then, um, and then he's like very fair and very kind. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, he like has this moment of clarity, I guess, and then he gets up and poses. I love it's because they tell him he's he's kind of like aghast that uh, Kelly's parents met the night before their wedding, and oh, twenty years later yes. they're still married. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, "So tell me, is your mm-hmm. marriage the kind of thing where if he dies, you have to throw yourself on a fire?" Yeah, just, no, like, <laughs> yeah, okay. But again, it's it's a very earnest question, even yeah. though it's horrible. He lo- he has these like. He's just, he's so stupid. He's <laughs> he so stupid. The funniest questions, um, just just from that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he sort of, he sort of like uh, looks at that as this like, well, if they can do that, why can't I? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe love is just, a, is a leap as opposed to, you know, whatever other concept he had. Right. And uh, if you're wondering why I know so much about this episode, you have now a hint of what trivia might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I love when... She responds to his proposal by saying, uh, can we talk about this in private? And he goes, you got to be kidding me. Well, for, 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 first, he's, first he's like, I didn't hear you. Uh, can you say it louder? Right, can you say she, it? she says it Can we talk louder? about this in private? You yeah. You got to be the, There are moments throughout the show where Michael is so exasperated and he says things under his breath in such a great way. Every time he says, shut it. Yes. Every time's good. Like... He's and, and his his moments of romance are these real like he has a very um this this duality of like he can be a liar he but it's all he can try and cover the truth up so much and yet he wears his emotions on his sleeves at the same time so much it's kind of what makes him a bad liar what makes him very easy to see through right um but it's also the reason that as the audience you sort of over time start to get very endeared to Michael even though he yes. is so mm-hmm. dumb right. and he's so offensive and mm-hmm. all these things is there he has these moments He's genuinely well intentioned he's yeah. just he just has his yeah. tactics are terrible as, as Phyllis says he has a lot of problems and he's really stupid <laughs> so Phyllis says later he, I'm glad Michael's getting help yeah um, but yeah no that's, that's the a, most that's... earned line in the office maybe <laughs> is when Phyllis says that in season seven yeah it's like it's 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 amazing and and to I think to your point, I think it's really easy for us to go through and point out Michael's blunders in these relationships. Mm-hmm. But there is something really endearing about Michael where he is very like he, he's very nice to to the like the you know, I, I'm thinking specifically of like uh, I don't mean to flash forward all the way. But when mm-hmm. he's with Helene and Pam is so opposed to their relationship. But at the beginning of that date, he really does so well to kind of endear himself to Jim and Pam and their family. Um and you can tell that he and Carol have, you know, somewhat of a connection that Carol sees him, um, you know, in that way. And I think so moving forward from, well, I don't want to go forward yet because I sure. want to point out in terms of Michael's relationships, the, the, the sequence, sequence that he has with Pam 
where he's sitting out on the stairs. This is after the after the proposal goes horribly wrong. Yeah, he's sitting out there on the stairs, and then Pam comes out to check on him, brings him the water. Yeah, and somehow he she knows that he's eating something too spicy. Too spicy. Yeah, and then uh, he he's like, "We're so alike, so alike." And then he turns and goes for the kiss in this way that he closes his eyes and just kind of like turns the head, turns the head, and like. You can't see us try to yeah. act it out. <laughs> it's so silly. But um, then Pam says, what are you doing? He it goes, looks like he's starting to sneeze almost. Yeah, yeah. Pam says, what are you doing? And he goes, I, I don't know. What are you doing? She goes, I'm rejecting your kiss. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he says, he's, he's sitting there and he's like, uh, uh, you know, I kind of thought everything was going to go different in my mind. And I kind of made this move. And, and um and Pam says, yeah, I thought something would happen, too. Right, yes. Which she texted Jim. She's texting Jim yeah. about the proposal. And Jim yeah. is basically passed out in Stanford at That's that right. point. From, uh, Closer I am. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, and, and so that, which I I guess Michael sees as Pam saying I thought something would happen with him. Right. Maybe. Of course. Who knows? But he's just <laughs> such this open, frantic heart that he's just grabbing onto anything near yes. him. Yes. Well, and then when you, and then he says, "Can I have a ride home?" <laughs> <laughs> Only if you sit in the back. Only if you sit in the back. And then when they're driving later, it's just quiet, and he goes, "These aren't my shoes." <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, that is such a. And he's like, "This is like that show, Taxi Cab Confessions." <laughs> Oh, these aren't my shoes. <laughs> and then she says, you know, if you say one more thing, I'm stopping the car. Just that he goes from, like, she gives him a cup of water. He tries to kiss her. He asks her for a ride home. He admits that he took home the wrong shoes. shoes. Who doesn't notice, who doesn't not, notice that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that you would say that out loud. I know. You know? Is there a moment before <clears throat> when the two of them are on the steps? Is there, like, a really, is there... A, Hard to call that moment sincere, but is there a sincere Pam and Michael moment before that in the show? Um, is there a sincere Pam and Michael? Like, were they, because they have several of those. Yeah, they have so many. I'm um, trying to think if there's one earlier. You know, I was yeah. like, it'd be hilarious if that one was the first one, because it's so fleeting. Yeah, you know what, the, Pam, I don't know if it's it's if it really registers as a significant moment, but the, the Pam-Michael relationship, and this could be a whole other episode, mm-hmm. and probably will be, but their relationship is so dotted with these sweet sort of moments where Pam... Because she's the receptionist and because she has to clean up after Michael so much, mm-hmm. kind of can get ahead of where he's going <laughs> in a really unique way. Like Literally, she has too, this sometimes foresight. with screening his calls and stuff. Right. And uh, she's like, all right, Michael, here, why don't you do this? You know, And so I'm sure there's some of that before, but I don't know if we get such an early, sincere character moment between them there. Yeah. I, don't, hey, I, I, I couldn't recall one uh, when I was watching that episode. But, you know, to kind of bring it back to his romance, it's kind of right, funny yes. they, that they, like, almost, like... You knew at some point he was going to make a move on, you know, everyone in the like so everyone in the yes. office at some point, including Pam. And it's almost like they that happens early in, enough to kind of sort of get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then like That's true. Yeah. she's sort of a support of, of just a real friend mm-hmm. from that point on. As um, Michael says later on, it's not the loneliness. It's not the horniness. It's the loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> it's as real as it gets. <laughs> Oh um, my god. But anyway, following all of that, uh going to a Benny Hanna Christmas where Michael has mm. photoshopped himself on the picture of uh the ski fo- the ski trip with Carol and her kids. Uh skis and greetings. 
is what he says. <laughs> Dude, that move <laughs> is so terrible. And Jim is like, it's a bold move to do this. And he's like, am I using the right word? Bold? Michael's yeah. a bold guy. Um, but, but then Carol expresses it so well where he says, where she says, uh, you know, Michael, you're like a really sweet guy, but this is just so weird. <laughs> You know, and uh, then he tries his his last ditch move. He's like, "You should, you can recover in Jamaica's largest freshwater pool." Oh yeah. And then <laughs> she's like, "No, I'm not going to Jamaica with you." Within, which is then just a seamless handoff to Jan. Right. Well, and then too, just in terms of Michael exasperated moments where he says, "You know, Carol broke up with me." He's like, "I don't think it'd be appropriate to celebrate." Under the circumstances. He can't even say circumstances, you know. He tries to take New Year's away from Stanley. Jim, take New Year's away from Stanley. Um, but yes, that leads them right to Jan, back from vacation, um, where that whole thing plays out, and Jan is really upset at Michael. Um, and then as we move forward in their relationship a little bit, because that's not really a Jan and Michael moment, you know? Right. It's a, it's a Michael thing, but... It's more of a um, picture. I'm thinking specifically moving forward to cocktails, right? Mm, yeah. I think cocktails is the next big... Pam or Pam, geez, Jan and Michael episode uh, because they have to drive up together. They're going to be, uh, you know, in front of David Wallace. Right. And I think generally speaking, when I look back at Jan and Michael, I think so much of Jan sort of tormenting Michael at the end of their relationship. Right. And sort of the all the different things that she makes him do. And it, it, Jan made me do a lot of things I didn't want yeah. to do. Jan has this uh, this schoolgirl fantasy, and Karen's like, "That's a common one." Michael goes, "Yeah, I just have a hard time wearing the dress." <laughs> but yeah. anyway, but in this episode, you see the way that like Jan has to put up with Michael. Yeah, because Michael keeps keeps doing these really embarrassing things where. Uh, Jan says to David Wallace, you remember uh, Michael from the Scranton branch? And Michael says, Jan and I are lovers. <laughs> right away. He just opens with it. And uh, I love this woman. <laughs> right on the walk, like, on the walk in. Yeah. And he's like, That's, that would be great. He's like, everyone's great. He looks at her and he's like, aren't we great? Right. <laughs> she, she's not having it. There's, a, there's a, um, a talking head from Jan where she says like, what's in it for me? She's like, normalcy, the end of my nausea, like children settling down. And he's like, what, she's like, what are the, what's the flip side? You know, uh, I date Michael Scott publicly and I collapse inward on myself like a dying star. <laughs> Such an honest moment. Really incredible performance, <laughs> yeah. too. She's really good in she's the whole, yeah. fantastic. And uh, then, you know, she, the, you get the first side of her trying to pull Michael into the bathroom. And, right. and he's like, no, no means please don't. He's like, I thought this is where you like your private time. <laughs> that's, and, it, that's a, that, that moment's a really good, like, just microcosm at that whole the social interactions there of like he has this high school approach to this relationship where he's like I want to show off my girlfriend I want to be yes. the guy with the girlfriend at this party PDA, yeah. and she wants this secret hot fling that she only likes because it's secret and it's the exact opposite for him and even on the drive up she calls him and he can't figure out how to take her off speakerphone and he's like are you alone and Dwight's like hey Jan how's it going right <laughs> She asked him to like, let's blow this party off. Yeah, and, let's, like, let's go find to a some sleazy motel, motel yeah, or whatever, right? Right. right. And then uh, he hangs up, and Dwight with the perfectly timed, all right, see you later, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, have, they have the love contract, right? Right. Michael, he dots the heart with an eye. He yeah. wants to have his framed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, that episode also gives us another great Michael Scott whisper moment of the um, potato salad <laughs> sitting in the hot sun <laughs> for hours. <laughs> It's so good. And <laughs> and uh, Jan says, oh, I'm sorry, Michael. I just wasn't feeling well. And he goes, you didn't have any of the potato salad, did you? 
It's a tiny little throwback. <laughs> So uh, and then they have that long fight in the car, you know. Right. And uh, Michael says, you know, I, Jan, I want the picket fence. I want the tickle fights. I want the giggling. <laughs> and then, All the things Jan does not want. Right. And then Dwight in the back just goes, don't break up, you guys. <laughs> he's still, he's still, still there. Still tagging along. Um, but then moving from that uh, to the negotiation, of course, yep. where Michael threatens to withhold sex from Jan, right? And the great Toby quote where he says... Uh, you know, this is the first time I've ever seen a subordinate threaten to withhold sex uh, from a superior uh, for a modest scheduled rate. Yeah. It will be an amazing course, a uh, uh, case when it inevitably goes to trial. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just, of course, uh, moving forward, women's appreciation. Where, huge, huge episode for yeah, Michael. For Michael romance. in his yeah. romance, um, just because he, he tries to show some growth, right? Mm-hmm. And he does actually grow. Um, by getting the alone, the alone time that he sort of forces with all the ladies of the office, right? Um, as Michael says himself, uh, I know the crap out of women. <laughs> and then, uh, but I thought it was really funny rewatching this episode where they're all sitting together and Michael says, this is your time. And then it ends up being his time where they really like talk to him about his relationship with Jan and they kind of uh, actually show him like really genuine support in wanting to break up with Jan, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then later when he does makes the call, he's like, I need my girls in there. You know, that, that's a great moment. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, they really, they respond to that. Yeah. Like they actually are not mm-hmm. as, uh, eye rolly as I kind of, th- you think they would be in that moment. Like they do care. Um, you know, partly to protect Michael, but also to protect, you know, Jan and everyone mm-hmm. else, I'm sure. And to, it feels, uh, almost a little more honest or real or true to the characters that like when Michael is talking about this stuff, they give conflicting opinions on how he should handle things. Right. I think it's really interesting where you'd expect it to just be sort of this, not like a blind support, but you'd expect it to be more unified, right? That seems, mm-hmm. that's how you remember the scene. But like in going back, you know, they don't agree on everything, which is. And, and, and we talked earlier about like how much Michael's romance sort of bleeds into the rest of the show. This is a good example in women's appreciation when you sort of see how, Karen and Pam approach it slightly differently. Right. And it's this sort of little little window into like, into they're sort of talking about Jim in a way. Um, And, and Pam knows Michael better than Karen does. You know, she, uh, she kind of guides him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But then this, this, this uh, episode, by the way, just crashes and burns in the Bechdel test. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. No (laughs) doubt. Yeah. I mean, basically the entire show does as does most TV. And a lot of the jokes that they make about certain things. Yes. That is, that's a great thing to point out. Yeah. (laughs) Like even the fact that we're talking like how so much of the show is just Michael and his various, you know, romantic partners, you know. Right. Um, Although I do think The Office does pass the Bechdel test a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Just for the simplicity of the test. And for those who don't know, the Bechdel test um, is basically if two female characters in a work of TV or a movie mm. talk about anything other than a man. If like, they have, it's like they have, so a, they whole have a, a whole conversation. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like, just to think, I'm thinking of Jim and Karen, or Jim and Karen, gosh, Pam and Karen in a Benihana Christmas where, you know, uh, Pam is really nice to Karen about the Christmas party. Like, does anyone stand up to Angela? Like, there's there, that's like a right. you know there there are moments like that in the show. Mm-hmm. Pam helping out Angela, for example, right, um, or uh, something something along those lines. But right. but anyway, um, for the purposes of this episode, it's it's correct. We're talking about Michael and his relationships, right? And then of course he breaks up, and then she shows up later with the uh, the breast enhancement, you know, and <laughs> your advice was good, Pam, but Jan's was bigger. Jan's was bigger, yeah. And he Jeez. just he just flips and goes back to being so shallow, yeah. You know, um, and then they come back together. And then at the job, uh, at the end of season three, 
It ends with, I, I love the fact that Michael is so obtuse that he doesn't pick up that it's Jan's job that he's applying for, you know? Right. And they're suddenly back together when they go up to see them and she goes with them, you know? And uh, just that it ends with him being like, David, I didn't tell her. <laughs> and then, uh, like, that he's so conflicted where uh, they're, they're yelling and they're arguing, right? And David Wallace says, frankly, you've been very unstable. And Michael says, you're unstable. He's, well, we're all unstable sometimes. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's so clearly split. Um, and then he has to be, he has to be like, I don't think it'd be good for my relationship if I take my girlfriend's job. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then Jan coming back is like, you know, this, my relationship, your, our relationship could be my job full time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting line. It's kind of a throwaway where, uh, I think Michael says, you have savings, you can pay off my debts. <laughs> oh, because it totally flips in right. money. Yeah. Right. Or it's just exacerbated in money as right. we move into season four. Because um, moving into season four, you do get Jan- Janice stay at home wife, you know. Yeah. And which the beginning of her kind of, it's almost like a descent into madness. It is. Well, it's f- kind of funny. Like, I as, as I'm looking at the whole episode list, I realize like how far Jan and Michael's relationship does go into the show. I mean, yeah. all, all the, I mean, through over halfway through season four and it's funny we've been digging into this topic so much because in part like we were gonna do all of these in one Mm -hmm. and as i was doing research i was like man this could be its own episode like i think it's a topic worth covering all the way through but like jan and michael there's so much there and the way that it flips from being like michael you know dating his boss and then she's no longer his boss and you know the the way that their relationship sort of works itself out you know and the fact that they need each other in certain ways, yeah, like, it's very. It's they really do in a certain way. Yeah, but they're I, also so bad for each other. I know. Like they, but they're just like they cannot help but keep crashing into each other because they feel like right. they have nothing else. <laughs> later in the sh- later in the show, when Holly breaks up with Michael, Michael says, "I'll go back to Jan, and I hate Jan. I'm not strong." <laughs> it really is like. I mean, it's it's in this in these sort of early seasons of the show. It, it's such a great. Uh, sort of backboard to keep bouncing Michael off of because it's just right. like it's so volatile. It's exactly what he doesn't want. But the fact that he is w- even with a woman is is that that's really like at a base level what he wants. It's right. not what he needs. Yeah, we're very far from getting to what Michael needs as far as a relationship that mm-hmm. comes much much later in the show. But just in terms of these sort of boyish, this is I, I want a girlfriend. I want to do these yeah. things. Jan is is just this really unhealthy version of all those things, and it creates uh, some very funny stuff. I think, and then to kind of moving into the season, you have fun run where Jan is there as Michael's. Uh, she they deliver right. like five hundred dollars, right? Um, Handing out water, and I love that Jan begins to become jealous of Pam. That yeah, that's a weird, <laughs> such a funny dynamic where you can tell that Michael is clearly. Remember, he tells uh, Jan mentions, "Oh, don't like tell me he was any different from when you dated Pam." Yeah. Like when Pam and Michael dated and Pam's like, I have never dated or wanted to date or will date Michael Scott, you know, um, which I think, you know, moving forward, we get to uh, the money episode uh, yes. where Michael is broke. This is your personal favorite episode. It is. Do you, do you want to talk about this one? I want to I want to give you this. Thing. Of course. Yes. Well, th- <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've talked about how like this is, this is my favorite episode of The Office um, f- for a few reasons. I mean, it's it's. It's kind of a two for one. It's a it's a forty two minute episode. Um, you get these, you get some very real examinations of 
very real things in terms of Michael's life, even Jan's life. Um, and it's, it's like, it's like love money. It's sort of these very large, yeah. deeply, uh, human issues that, that we see have dealt with in this episode. Um, you get to see, you get to see Michael at a different job. Mm-hmm. You get to see, um, you get to see him sort of wrestling with these really, really deep issues, including like this, a scene that a lot of people, people are either in on it or they're out on it. And it's this shot of Michael and Jan sitting on the train while they're talking. And then there's a shot of their legs dangling mm-hmm. kind of this, uh, almost this storybook image of mm-hmm. like these two kids, like sitting on a train and talking and, yeah. and that like, why are people out on it? I, I feel like some people I've, I've, I've talked to, they don't like uh-huh. it because it's, it really is a little against the grain of the show. There's no other, there's no, it's kind of an artsy shot and it's, hmm. it's not an artsy show. It's, I, uh, I, I thought in rewatching that I thought like, it never really hits me correctly how funny it is that he goes to ride the rails. <laughs> yes. His, his decision is to go and get yes. on the train. And it's, but it's, it's just like so many of Michael's decisions is he has this idea of what life should be and he just sort of blindly runs after it. I mean, it's the, sort of the whole reason he gets with Jan in the first place. I was going to say this episode is a lot of Michael just sort of blindly giving more to this relationship, yeah. right? And not that he shouldn't be giving, but he never sets any limit or he never says no or he never stands up for himself. Yeah. So the fact that, uh, you know, they, they get they go down to one car and it's a Porsche, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jan's like, I need the car. And uh, he's like, I need it too. And she says, what, for improv? And she says, why don't you just pretend you have a car? <laughs> Dude, it's so... <laughs> And then when she picks him up from him, from the the uh, call center mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, she gets out of the car and he's just been working till he, he says one a.m. Right? She gets out of the car, she throws in the keys and says, "You drive." I had too much wine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and know? that's and that's like, we my girlfriend and I don't talk about money. It is rude and unsexual. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, I, you know, in in very much the way a real relationships works with people like at some point you're you 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 do have to have a real talk about stuff mm-hmm. um and the moment when jan actually lets her guard down a little bit is talk with michael at the end and sort of trades this thing was like you know michael was there for her when she got fired and she's like i'm gonna do the same to you and they sort of hold hands and they walk away i was gonna say it's one of the only sweet moments you get between michael and jan he gives so much and then eventually it, it kind of breaks and he has to run right right as oscar says uh through michael's uh clever financial maneuvering mm-hmm. he finds himself tremendously in debt <laughs> right right but again not for lack of trying and not for any other than an earnest reason and and right. another reason i love this episode is you see the lengths to which Michael will go to hold together any semblance of a normal life that he dreams of living, which right. is like, I'll work this extra job, yeah. whatever. We, we need the mm-hmm. money. Jan's uh, Jan's doing her candles like I want her to yeah. achieve her dreams, <laughs> yeah. you know, even though she's just treating him horribly and you just want him to get out. And that all comes to a head later, even you know, much worse version of this episode is dinner party. Um, well, and then I think to just go into that train moment, I know you talked about it or you mentioned it, but like, I think... Jan really kind of pours out to Michael, like, you know, after, you know, my life came crashing down around me mm-hmm. and you stood by me without a second thought because that's the kind of guy you are, you know, yeah. and it's a, it's definitely um, it's a testament to Michael's character. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and she has to kind of talk him down to be like, your debt will follow you around the world. And he says, I'll get off the grid. And like, he would last all of five seconds off the grid. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, he, that's what happens in the, uh, in the search in season seven. Um, but then I love it just ends with uh, 
Jan gives that really long, heartfelt speech, and she says to Michael, so where's this train going? And he says, I think the engineer left. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be quick. Just because we're talking. Jan just sighs. Just (laughs) because. Runs, jumps off the train, and it stops immediately. I mean, it's just great. I think the the engineer left. Now that we're talking, now that that we're talking about this episode, a couple other reasons it's so great. You get, I mean, you get him, I declare bankruptcy, great Mm -hmm. moment. Um, you get Michael reviewing Michael's finance or you get Oscar reviewing Michael's finances with the graphs, which right. is a great peek into Michael's life. Um, you also get the Daryl and Kelly, uh, thing starting up. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Philbin might be the most complicated man I've mm-hmm. ever met. Um, Andy and, and, Angela. and, and you get to see the, um, uh, kind of what I mentioned earlier, which is Michael clicking with strangers or his new employees at the, at the, at the yes, phone that's job. Right. Yeah. And they're talking, you should like say, Hey, you should review movies and all that Laughing stuff. Laughing at his jokes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you could, you kind of see this version of Michael in this episode. You never get to see in a way that I think is a, is a kind of a really nice shakeup of the character. And, and then it all ends uh, there in the train yard. By the way, I love that shot of their feet. And yeah, then sitting yeah, on the train. I, I think, think it's so wonderful. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, that episode, Directed by Paul Lieberstein, who plays oh, wow. Toby, mm-hmm. who received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Directing of a Comedy. That's awesome. For that episode. There you go. So, nomination there's a well reason deserved. it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving forward from Money, the next, I think, big episode for Michael and Jan is, uh, well, of course, there's the deposition. Sure. Where they have to read out all of the, uh, it all comes out, right? And uh, Michael ends up siding with the company, you know. Um, but I'm really thinking about Dinner Party. Yeah, let's get to it. Dinner party is like I think the like the quintessential episode of The Office. It is like the peak cringe of The Office, um, and I think it's one that's constantly kind of remembered yes. as as like one of the all time greats. And you know, I think just after Sean took money in our uh, episode fantasy <laughs> draft, I was forced to take Dinner Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that out, our second episode. Yeah, if you haven't heard it by the way. Uh, but. Yeah, Dinner Party is just, I think, one of the all-time funniest episodes. Just the fact that Jim, it's a its a weird sort of bottle episode and that Jim, Pam, uh, and then Angela and Andy, and then eventually Dwight and his nurse <laughs> are sort of sucked into this uh, this domestic hellscape of a dinner party <laughs> that they bring in together, you know. An episode um, you'd ever see The Office. Right. Right. As Jim says, uh, they seem to be playing, uh, Michael and Jan seem to be playing a game about who can make their guests more uncomfortable, and they're both winning. <laughs> also, the first episode after a uh, long Oh, the writer's strike. strike. Yeah, that's right. I believe. And so yeah. I feel like there, there's a very palpable feeling that everyone's having a really, really good time when they're yeah. filming this because it's been so long since they've done it. November 15th, 2007 is when the deposition airs. And then April 10th, 2008 is when dinner party airs. So it's like six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, just the Michael and Jan, it just it totally falls apart. You know, they're calling each other babe. And at first, which feels very like strangely sincere. And then like by the end of it is just so passive aggressive, you know? Well, they, it starts to, it's, it's used yeah. as like, babe, they start using it right. as a sort of insult. Good luck paying for it on your $0 a month salary, babe. <laughs> oh, God. And then just, just the way they play charades and the way that, you know, she, she totally calls Michael out and then he gets mad at her for playing Hunter's music. Uh, you know, <laughs> took me <by> which <laughs> seems to be clearly about Jan. Right. Yep. <laughs> which, uh, Jim, Jim steals. That's right. Yeah. Jim is a thief. Add that to his resume. But, and then, uh, Michael has to pitch on pitch, uh, <laughs> Andy and Jim on an investment opportunity. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, one of my, uh, f- favorite Jan Michael interactions when he dips his steak in the wine yeah. 
And she's, please don't do that. That's disgusting. How could you say that? You know, I have soft teeth. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> when he drinks that wine and she goes, oops. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. is. Dude. Melora Hardin, who plays Jan, yeah. is just on fire in that episode. She's when, so good. When he drinks that wine at first, he says, hmm, this has an oaky afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, so, babe. Oh, God. You and, took this home and made it a house. <laughs> they go into the room. There's the camera. You see the where, dog, Michael, the dog bed. where Michael sleeps. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's abuse is what's yeah. going he on. He fits right there. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, it, 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 it ends with the police showing up and Michael kind of... He being says, escorted away to stay will, with Dwight. My girlfriend threw a Dundee at my flat screen. <laughs> and then uh, she's like, you can't take him away. And he goes, I will take the fall. And they're like, there's no fall to take. Just keep it down. <laughs> and that, I mean, the uh, if you're going from like that, that sort of run from money to the dinner party, I mean, talk about the full spectrum of everything about Michael's romance. Like you see the willingness he's go, he's, he will go to, to achieve a dream with money. Um, you'll see the, the support, like an actual honest conversation that he's, he's able to have with somebody all the way to just complete pettiness, complete backstabbing and just this horrible toxic relationship. I mean, you get it all right there. And when you talk about what he'll do, we haven't even talked about the snip, snap, snip, snap, the physical toll that three vasectomies (laughs) takes on a person. I know. I mean, looking at my drop board, it's like so many of them are from that episode. I mean, it's, it's when you get some very cathartic moments. And then I love too, that when they break up, Michael falls back into the loving arms of Dwight. (laughs) Michael could stay with me. (laughs) Boy, talk about, Talk about little uh, mini episodes you'd love to see. I'd love to see that night, Michael and Dwight <laughs> drowning their sorrows at that fruit farm. There's also one where they talk about Dwight crying in a movie at the end of Armageddon. And yeah. he's like, no, that's because it was midnight on New Year's and it perfectly started snowing. <laughs> Just great. So, oh, we yeah. didn't even talk about that part of money. Uh, 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 that's where they stay at the farm. Correct. I mean, how, we, did that even come up? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a Jim and Pam Dwight storyline, but, you know, as we're talking about Michael and Jan, it's, yeah. it's fair. Oh, well, I just, you know, just talk about Another that Another great, yeah, piece of that episode. Oh, I think yes. one of the all-time great sort of... Storm. <laughs> one of the great storylines in the whole show, I think, is that arc. Or it's not even an arc. It's just a storyline. Yeah. Where they go to visit the beet farm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Because you, you... Not to go too far down the tangent, but yeah. you can sort of tell... Dwight's unwillingness to share that part of his life with them because he right. know that They're Jim's going to make fun, fun of him. him. Yeah. And it's also very endearing in a way, but he sort of swallows his pride and does it. Yeah. And he tries to give them the best experience possible, mm-hmm. you know? And like they, they, they don't reject him, you know, like they, no. you know, they give him a good review on TripAdvisor, the That's lifeblood right. of the agritourism industry. Um, but with Jan and Michael broken up, uh, it takes us into the introduction of Holly, uh, which comes through in Goodbye Toby, the yeah. new uh, HR rep. Um, and I love that when Jan meets Holly, like that's one thing that he that she tells to Michael, mm-hmm. like don't date Holly. But I think it's so interesting, you know, um, because of course they're like destined to be together, right? Right. And 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 I think she just sees that they're exactly the same person. They're both you know such big dorks that they get along. But she's, she's threatened, right? And then of course you know the Michael Jan thing sort of continues with the baby. I was gonna say, yeah, the sperm donor baby um, that. Uh, by the IHOP, is what Kevin says. <laughs> She's like, no, it's a very selective place. You, you wouldn't know it. By the IHOP? Yeah, the look on her face is fantastic. <laughs> um, and then that kind of continues until Jan kind of makes her exit from the show for a little while at least, uh, once she has Astrid. You know? Right. 
Yeah. When does she come back after that? Um, she comes back as um, in the oh, the seminar, mm. which is uh, Andy's um, no sex ed. Oh, okay. Where Michael goes back and he talks to all his former lovers, right? That's right. And then uh, she comes back again in the way. You want to have a postmortem? Yeah. <laughs> right. Go over our relationships. See yeah. what worked and what didn't. I'm game. And then uh, in the whale in season nine, where D- J- uh, Pam has they coach up Dwight because he he's gonna go sell to a woman. Mm. He's bad at selling to women. And when they get there, it's Jan. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Of course. Um. So what do you want to? I mean, did you want to? Did you want to? Um, hold up and then continue on another episode with Holly. I think, I think that makes a lot of Donna. sense. I think we'll, we'll now that Michael and Jan have sort of reached its end. And I think we're kind of ignoring the, the baby arc, which is really great. Like, yeah, just that, uh, Michael is still so deluded that he would like wants to be involved, even though Jan went and kind of had the baby without him. Like, mm-hmm. as Jim says, Michael is connected to the baby, you know, my, <laughs> Jan is having a baby with a sperm donor, and Michael is having a watermelon with Dwight. <laughs> and they are connected by, and he just draws a question mark on the whiteboard, right? Uh, and then uh, it, it just clearly doesn't work out. Michael's still trying to give, you know, the, right. boy, the boy name Chevy. <laughs> right, right. And the girl name Astrid. He still wants the white picket <laughs> fence, you know, even then. And <laughs> what a brilliant little piece of writing to flip Astrid into Astrid. Yep. It's right there on a platter. And yeah, and then he can only hold the baby in the bassinet. But anyway, um, but yeah, I think this is a good point to pause, uh, and we can acknowledge Jan as she comes up again later throughout the show. But mm-hmm. I think the Michael and Jan thing drives so much in seasons, you know, two, three, four, like kind of the prime peak of the show to some extent. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, and it gives us such a weird look at Michael's character in this like truly dysfunctional relationship, you know? And it kind of gives him some interesting baggage for the rest of the show yeah. to kind of deal with. I mean, you mentioned that line where he's like, I'll go back to Jan and I can't go back to Jan. Right. But it gives him, um, I think it makes his attraction to Holly even so much more potent because he, one of the only relationships he has to measure it against is with Jan, right. who's the opposite of Holly. And so it makes his desire to make it work with Holly so much stronger. Mm-hmm. And even to the point of, of, of you know, just like extreme necessity um, that uh, it, it affects the rest of his relationships yeah. um, in a huge way, in a way that, you know, eventually works out with Holly. And I think, too, it's easy to look at Jan in sort of that uh, it's very cliche, it's very trope, to, or it's a tired trope to say that, like, you know, this... Uh, this like female character is like it's crazy, right? Right. But by the end of the show, she kind of rebounds. She has a she has a daughter. She's very successful. You know, like I think the Jan is is a more complex character than she may seem. Oh, for sure. You know, on the surface, there's a lot more nuance there. Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's hold up there, and then we can. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring back our buddy Sean off the bench, and we'll. Uh, we can talk Holly. We got yeah, Donna. I like right. that we sort of have Carol and Jan together, and then the Donna and Holly. Yeah, I think we'll we'll touch on Jan again as Holly comes back, but then it's like Holly, you know. Uh, Helene, then Donna, mm-hmm. then Holly again, and that kind of wraps up that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we'll talk about Oscar as well. <laughs> <laughs> we would be remiss <laughs> to not talk about Oscar, yeah. the chair model. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, shall we head to the conference room? Let's go to the conference room. All right. You know what? That's it. Conference room, five minutes. All right. So, in this week's conference room segment, we're going to go back uh, to 2008. Uh, in 2007, 2008, uh, to a website uh, that was set up by Ryan, uh, www.creedthoughts.gov.www backslash creedthoughts. You know, this was right, like going to college mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it was like, oh, it's so incredible. They actually like made this thing a real thing on the internet. That's right. Jeez. So I have for you today a reading from the blog of oh, Creed Thoughts. Can't wait. Uh, May 8th, 2008, uh, 9.15 a.m. Then I'll have two chairs, <laughs> only one to go. There was a big blow up at work last week between the boss man and the black guy. <laughs> Lots of fireworks. <laughs> I think the boss man broke out his brass knuckles because I saw a lot of blood on the carpet the next day. Blood on the carpet means trouble. There's a rule that I live by. I don't like fights at work because there's too many parts of my life coming together in one place. I prefer to keep fighting outside of work and my work out of fights. This fight turned out pretty well for me, though, because everyone else got sent home so they could have a private cage match. The first thing I did when we got sent home was headed straight over to the mall for some orange chicken at the Lotus Place. That stuff is dynamite. I could eat a shopping cart full of it. <laughs> Sadly, they don't tell it, sell it by the shopping cart, no matter how often I ask them to. So I settled for a combo meal. There are a few high school kids in the food court, so I tried to drum up some new customers for my novelty identification and lamination business. They weren't interested. Oh, wow. That's, he mentions it there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Apparently, there's some punk over at Scranton Prep who does a really good Delaware now. Even better than my Georgia. I'm going to track that kid down and have a talk with him. <laughs> when it comes to novelty identification and lamination, I'm the only game in town. At the mall, I was pretty riled up, so I headed over to that Just Paint It place where you can paint your own pottery. That place is like a zen garden to me. I had to sit down, grab a small ceramic elephant, and go to town. I can zone out for two, three hours painting that thing. The best part is when I'm done, I get to take it with me. You'd be surprised at how much you can get for an orange and green elephant when you tell people it's imported from Indonesia. I spent the rest of my night over at the grocery store sampling all the candy in the bulk bins. They didn't even hassle me about it. Not that I really keep track, but that might have been my best day ever. <laughs> wow. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's... There's a lot of entries. We can, we can go back to the well on this. I think, yeah, that's going to be... That's fertile ground right there. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that was like... I mean, that was pretty early on in like extra web content yeah. of, from TV shows and stuff. We should talk about that. All the extra little side content, yeah. webisodes, YouTube clips... Because the office yeah. was, there, I mean, there for the growing pains of that era. I feel like, you yeah. know, around two thousand five, and uh, it kind of interestingly is in the time where some of that's still getting lost to history. You right. know, now a lot of that stuff seems kind of immortalized, but like through Instagram or whatever it is, or Twitter, right? Know, but and you know, yeah. like it's like nowadays you'd have someone would be doing that on their own, like they'd have a whole website or like a Tumblr, and they'd right. be writing that themselves, and there'd mm -hmm. be tons of. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's finish off with some trivia. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. All right. Well, as I already pre uh, hinted to previously in this episode, we're doing episode uh, we're doing trivia from season three, episode six, which is Diwali. Yes, it is Diwali. Uh, I just went with this one for the tie-in of, of course, the moment with the proposal. It's a it's a potent <laughs> uh, potent moment in Michael's love life. So let's see here. This is just I just got Edwin in the hot seat. Let's, That's right. Uh, let's get hard. Uh, what kind of what kind of car does Bob Vance drive? Oh. We see this in uh -huh. this episode. Uh -huh. We see a brief moment when Phyllis is outlining who's going in what seats. And she goes, these, these people are going to Meredith's van, and these people are in Bob's. Buick? Yukon. GMC Yukon, which is the <laughs> GMC SUV. There you go. Um, the, sales the sales staff at Stanford has to stay late in this episode to do mm. what specifically? Data consolidation reports. So, oh, you're so close. Sales consolidation reports? Order form consolidation. Order form consolidation. Okay. Order form <laughs> consolidation. <laughs> Which is somehow even more boring than it sounds. That's true. Uh, we also we see Jim taking his bike to work. Mm -hmm. Josh does. Um, 
uh, Michael wishes they were serving what food at the Diwali party? S'mores? Yes. Okay, correct. <laughs> you already mentioned you said that one. Yet again, Edwin quoted one of my trivia questions naturally in an episode. It's incredible. All righty. Uh, Kelly's got three sisters. What are their names? Oh, man. One of them is like Rana or I don't know. I don't know. It's Rupa. Rupa. Nifa. And Tiffany. Okay. <laughs> and then Kelly. Um, who do Kelly's parents want Kelly to be with? What's his name? I'm just thinking of Ravi from later in the show, but it's it's close. It's Wally. Wally. W A L I. Ah. Who initially I was like, I thought it, I thought, oh, I thought initially that was when she meets Ravi, but mm-hmm. it's not. Different doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan tells Kelly's parents that he's saving up. For what oh, instead of a house and marriage to travel and to get an Xbox? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, so what does Stan- what does the Stanford branch get for dinner? Uh, sushi. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Didn't think you get that one. You only just see the remnants. They don't even mention it. Yeah. Karen, let's keep it to twenty dollars <sighs> a person this time. Wow. I, yeah. I did watch this episode and prep for this. Ah. Uh, so I, I'm okay. a little bit set up. You know what? I like that. Yeah. Maybe we should do this more often. Yeah. Where we watch the same episode as prep, and I still right. try and get you. <laughs> Michael references what. 2004 movie in his Diwali song at the end of the episode. Oh. Along Came Polly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Have a happy, 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 happy Diwali. Really amazing stuff. Great work, Edwin. That's that's impressive. All right. Well, that'll do it, folks. Um, Yeah. We didn't lead off with this at the top of the show, but please. Oh, yes. uh, You can contact us on social media via Instagram, Michael Scott Podcast Company. We're on Twitter, uh, MS Pod, Michael Scott, (laughs) MS MS Podcast Company. MS Podcast Company. There we go. Um, You can leave us a voicemail at I don't have the number handy. Oh. We'll find it. But anyway, you can call and leave us a voicemail. We'll have it available. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Give us your questions. Give us your takes. Give us your feedback. Uh, Listen, rate, review, like, subscribe, et cetera. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Um, That number is... 503-694-9314. Again, 503-694-9314. It's also right there on our website, as are all those social buttons. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with more stories from This American Life. Unless I seek my source, closer I am to find. Closer I am to find. Tuna, are you kidding me? (laughs) Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.